0: Well, Merry Christmas, it is delightful to be with you all here on this Christmas Day in the morning, and uh, I just want to say that as awesome as Christmas Eve was, I appreciate that you are here this morning, because the reality is that for 2,000 years, Christian worship has been grounded in the weekly gathering of believers to worship Jesus, to encourage one another. And to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For us, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. And that is why we gather on a weekly basis. Which means that that as much as we love the high emotional events like Christmas Eve, what we do together each week, week in, week out, that sometimes we can get a little bored with and think is routine, is actually one of the greatest things we can do. So... Arguably, this service is of greater significance than those special highlights like Christmas Eve, so I'm glad you are worshiping with us today. And because you are, you get to experience the end of our journey through the Christmas story. What began in Nazareth back on the first Sunday of Advent concludes now back in Jerusalem. Now, we were in Jerusalem last week when we were reflecting on the wise men as they came to visit the seat of political power in first century Israel, and then we hopped over to Bethlehem last night, but today we've come back to Jerusalem, this time not to to go to the political seat, but to go to the religious seat, to go to the the temple, the, the beating heart of the Jewish faith until its destruction in the year 70 A.D. This was the second great temple. The first had been destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. And when this temple that we'll be visiting today had first been rebuilt, it was so pitiful that the old-timers wept to see it. But centuries later, wicked King Herod, engineer that he was, had massively expanded and upgraded the temple mount and the temple structures. And so by the the time of the birth of Jesus, it was truly spectacular to behold. Today's visit to the temple occurs 40 days after the birth of Jesus. And to be clear, this is likely before the visit of the wise men. And I say that because Joseph and Mary offer sacrifices that are consistent with being poor. Poor. Financially limited, rather than the sacrifices that might have been expected for a family who had just received expensive gifts. So if you will, pardon my addressing these passages out of chronological order and that we looked at the wise men last Sunday and again last night, and today we go to the temple. But I believe this particular sequencing better fits the various worship opportunities as we've walked through the past week. And culminate today with the end of our journey and with this passage that lets us focus on celebrating the deeper gifts of Christmas. Now in today's passage, what we're going to see, and it's very much what was expressed in the reading from Galatians, we're going to see that that Joseph and Mary do everything required of a faithful, obedient Jewish family. Because they were both righteous individuals who loved the Lord and loved the law. And again, that was at the heart of of what was told about them when we began our journey together and the angels were visiting them. That love for the Lord and obedience to the law included circumcising and naming Jesus on the eighth day of his life, then offering sacrifices to dedicate him as the firstborn son and a ritual cleansing for Mary after the birth of a child. So our passage today is Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now, here on this day where we think quite a bit about gifts, giving gifts, receiving gifts, unwrapping gifts, paying for gifts, no, we think about that tomorrow, right? As we think about gifts today, we're going to reflect on this passage from the perspective of three spiritual gifts that Simeon and Anna are celebrating when the Holy Spirit leads them to encounter the infant Jesus. First, Jesus gives the gift of salvation. Verse 21 describes the circumcision and naming of Jesus. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, we are reminded that the name Jesus, which is really Yeshua in Hebrew... Pardon the translation as it moves from Hebrew to Greek to English. This name was given intentionally by God. It was not an accident. It means Yahweh, the Lord, saves. And Simeon's joyous celebration there on the 40th day of Jesus' earthly life is based on the fact that he has gotten to see God's salvation with his own eyes as he celebrates in verses 30 and 31. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Speaking in the Holy Spirit, this righteous older man rejoices that he has met the Christ the anointed Son of God, given to save us from our sins. While the Christmas season often gets very focused on buying things, what Simeon and Anna recognized was that Jesus came to buy our freedom from the empty and enslaving things of the world. Verse 38 concludes, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting For the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, redemption refers to purchasing someone's freedom. Jesus came to redeem us, to pay for our freedom, to save us from our sins by buying our freedom from them with his own blood. Sin has dominated the nature of mankind since our first ancestors fell into sin in the garden, and we are, we're born enslaved to sin. No matter how hard we try to be good people, and, and I know we all try to be good people, we inevitably fail. We fall short of the perfect standard of holiness that is required by a perfectly holy God. And so sin not only dominates our lives, it introduced death into our world because the wages of sin is death. But thankfully, God, in his mercy, sent his son Jesus into our world at Christmas as a baby who was born both fully human as an infant and yet was fully God of the universe. He came so that he could buy our freedom from sin by living a perfect and sinless life, then dying on the cross as an innocent sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. Then rising from death in victory, making it so that everyone who believes in him will likewise rise. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 celebrates, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Right? Think about that as you think about gifts, as you think about what we celebrate. Right? I love that part. The riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. The redemption that Anna was going around telling everybody about, the salvation that Simeon was proclaiming while holding baby Jesus in his arms is a wondrous gift given to us as Romans 3.24 proclaims that we are justified by his grace as a gift through that redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so today we we celebrate and savor this wondrous gift that's made possible by God's giving of His Son to take the world's sins upon Himself. And yet, I hope you understand that this gift does you no good if you don't receive it, if you don't open it, right? The gifts under a, a Christmas tree look great, but they don't open themselves, Though we did learn this week that our dog is quite good at opening Christmas presents. (laughs) He can unwrap them without damaging the gifts. It is quite a talent. But, But still, the gifts did not open themselves. And a gift that remains wrapped up under a Christmas tree is useless to its recipient. And so like every gift, right, this gift of grace requires that you grab a hold of it and you unwrap it for yourself. If you have not already done so, you must, you must choose to believe in Jesus and his work on the cross to receive this gift of salvation. And if you have received this gift, whether it is this morning or decades ago, then what, what I want to encourage you to do on this Christmas day is celebrate it. Because it is a better gift than any that sits under any Christmas tree anywhere in the world today. Celebrate Christ's gift of salvation because it gives you 24-7 access to God's presence, his throne room, his ear, and his love. You do not have a present under your tree better than that. Second, Jesus gives the gift of unity across every ethnic and racial division. As I said last Sunday, the good news of Jesus Christ is good news for all nations. Simeon recognized this in verse 32, that Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. See, Jesus came to give salvation to Jews and non-Jews alike on exactly the same basis, by grace through faith in him alone. Now, this truth that God offers the same salvation on the same basis to all people, regardless of their background, this is a truth that has surprised and challenged people from the earliest days of Christianity until today. Jesus came to heal the divisions that separate and divide people. He came to unite everyone who believes in him into one new people. And honestly, we struggle with that. We are wired to try and divide into us and them. And Jesus came to make us all us. If you reflect on all the hateful divisions that have bled this world dry for countless centuries... This is an incredibly precious gift. Jesus came so that in Christ there would be no distinction between Jew and Gentile. He came to make us one family, male and female, rich and poor, high status and low, across every socioeconomic division, every ethnic and geographic border. Galatians three twenty-seven and 28 proclaim, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is beautiful, and it's true, even though Christians still struggle with this truth and struggle to live it. All who believe in Jesus are loved by him equally and fully. And while our diversity and God's creativity and uniquely making us should never be ignored, forgotten, invalidated, or eliminated, it is made more beautiful by bringing us together as one new people united by Jesus Christ. And so in the year to come, I encourage you, be intentional about enjoying this particular gift of Jesus By getting to know and love your brothers and sisters in Christ who come from other countries, races, regions, economic backgrounds. Share your stories of salvation and how how God has been good. And listen to one another's triumphs and tragedies and, and appreciate what makes you different while celebrating this beautiful gift that makes you one. And finally, Jesus gives the gift of true satisfaction. Simeon and Anna, these two wonderful senior saints, both found their purpose in life, their joy, and their satisfaction in God. Simeon begins in verse 29, "'Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word.'" Meanwhile, Anna is described as advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. These two wonderful senior saints demonstrate a deep satisfaction that can only be found in God. That will never be found in stuff. And will never even be found in our earthly relationships with other human beings, but can only be found in God. They loved the Lord and devoted their lives to him in faithfulness, worship, fasting, and prayer. It would be easy for us in our sort of cultural moment and how we think we're so smart and clever to look at them and and falsely consider their lives to be tragic and lonely. I mean, poor Anna, she was probably a widow by the time she was 21, and here she is 84. But what we see is that these were individuals who were fully satisfied because they were fully devoted to the Lord. They got to see Jesus at long last, and they rejoiced, and they were ready to to pass away in peace because they had seen Christ the Lord. They hadn't even yet seen the work of the cross and the resurrection, but they were so satisfied in their relationship with God that this was enough just just to have met Jesus. They demonstrate a profound reality that our materialistic modern culture struggles with so badly, right? Because I think most of you realize we live in a dissatisfied, deeply miserable country right now. The alarming mental health statistics testify to this. The numbers around debt and bankruptcy testify to this. The endless hunger for the next big, shiny thing testifies to this. That true satisfaction is never going to be found in stuff, no matter how nice it is. I'm sorry to say that the shiniest and best presents that we received or gave today will one day be faded, lost, forgotten, broken, discarded, or left behind. But true satisfaction also can't even be found in other people because while they are certainly part of God's blessing and provision, true and lasting satisfaction is only found in an eternal, ongoing relationship with Creator God and Jesus His Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. That satisfaction is the third great gift we celebrate today. But Jesus came, lived, died, and rose from the dead to reconcile us to God so that we could enjoy such a relationship every day of our earthly life and then for all of time thereafter. 2 Corinthians 5.18 explains, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is in this relationship with God himself The relationship that Jesus made possible, our relationship with him, that we find true and lasting satisfaction like Simeon and Anna experienced. What I want to say is that God's ongoing invitation is to receive the gift of Jesus. And I want to be clear, I'm not just talking about salvation, as important and precious as that is, but the gift of Jesus himself. Right To know him, to love him, to walk with him, to live in union with him, to serve him and become like him. That's where we find real, lasting satisfaction. And so as you're gifting and re-gifting today, celebrate these greater gifts that Simeon and Anna recognized when they saw that infant Jesus. Salvation, unity with one another, and the satisfaction of Christ in you, Christ with you, and Christ over you. Let him be your true and lasting satisfaction because these are the greater gifts that endure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love and give thanks for these wondrous gifts on a day where we spend an awful lot of the time, or maybe it doesn't take very long at all to to tear through gifts of things, that we've invested a great deal of thought and care and time and treasure into, Lord, we are reminded that the far greater gifts are those you have made available through your son, Jesus. The gift of salvation, the gift of true unity and brotherhood in Christ. The gift of real true, lasting satisfaction and meaning for our lives. And so, Lord God, I just want to pray that there are any here who have not yet received these gifts. That they would, that they would open their hands and take that gift and, and unwrap it and believe that Jesus is Lord. And that you raise him from the dead. That they would believe and be saved, believed and made part of your new life growing family. And Lord, I pray for each of us that today and all the other things we do and in the days to come, we would celebrate these gifts and, and rejoice in the salvation we enjoy and that we would, we would live in that spirit of unity across everything the world says is supposed to divide us. That that would be part of our testimony to the world, that Jesus is true, that he is real, that he is transformative. And Lord God, we do live in a dissatisfied age. And if we're honest, most of us struggle from time to time with, with being and resting satisfied. Because we're relentlessly told we need more, we need better, we need newer. But Lord, what we really need is you. And so Lord God, help us to find our satisfaction in you, Lord, in our union with your Son, in the of your Holy Spirit in the purpose that you have made us for. Lord God, bless us to walk in the way of Jesus as we depart this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.